When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Sidekick Josh is with us as ever. He's just been to the pub and he spotted Arsene Wenger. Am I right, Josh? Is that what's just happened? You've literally just swanned in from a day at the pub. You're blind drunk, drowning your sorrows, and you've spotted Arsene Wenger. Um, I've definitely been drowning my sorrows. I'm not drunk. And just to be clear, Wenger wasn't at the actual pub. He was walking by the pub um, in these uh, lovely leafy parts of, of Totteridge in deep north London. So he was looked like he'd been on what I would describe as a fast walk. Like he, he looked like he had intention and he knew yeah. where he was going. I, do you call that a power walk? Is that, do you do power walk? Yeah, yeah. Before? Oh yeah. Power walk. Oh, yeah. I've done a power walk today. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, how far did you power walk? Um, you should try and do about 15,000 steps. 20,000 on a really good day. Yeah. How many so, kilometers is that? Oh, I've no idea. I've no idea. Right. Um, but more importantly, Sorry? Do you listen to podcasts? You've got oh, yeah, so many podcasts to, podcasts to get yeah, through. Yeah. Nothing to do with Arsenal. I listen to, um, yeah, lots of, you know, Empire film podcasts. Uh, interview podcasts, yeah. But we've got, anyway, without further ado, we've got two staunch um, legendary podcast guests. Tim Payton is with us. Hello, Tim. Hello. Nice to be back. Thanks for coming. Uh, so to speak, although you're, you're obviously we're, we're remotely doing this, you're in your um, lavish home. And Ari Last, welcome Ari, who um, thanks for having been, me. Who's also been staunch from this from the beginning. I think we will go back like years and years. But you've never done it with, so to speak, Tim. I think you you this is the first time you've been together. And this is effectively this is the first time we've had two guests, isn't it? The four four of us for quite a few months since lockdown because we've had like. We've had to do it by Skype, and it's different. But this is like back to the old days. A, it's back to the old days. Also, we've had a shit week. We've got two fantastic guests, and we're all probably feeling quite, I don't know, sad. Josh? Well, I thought it was it was such an important week that it needed the yeah, gravitas top, of both Harry and Tim. Yeah. So let's just say like a week ago, um, we were very optimistic. 
I think we both predicted we'd get four points out of the Leicester Spurs game, I think. Um, and then cover, in fact, what's happened is um, we drew with Leicester a game. I think we should have won. Sheffield United beat Chelsea. Wolves beat Everton. Man City won their appeal. City have scored 10 goals in the last two games. We're now out, very outside bet, I think, to get into the Europa League. Uh, we've lost to Tottenham. It's all come crumbling down. And we're in the shit yet again. And, of course, you know, we thought for a minute, some of us, that maybe Arteta got to grips with our useless defence and they all showed their true colours, I think, against Spurs, all of them, really. <laughs> like, pretty much every single defender, certainly the three at the back. And it's a shit show, isn't it? All over again, um, Tim. <laughs> now, before we talk about the game, I, th- I guess the topical, the topical thing to start with would be the Europa League because with the City appeal one... We now have to finish seventh, don't we, um, to get a chance of getting into Europe, and we're four points behind. Um, we're four points behind Sheffield United, and we're two points behind Spurs. So it's kind of it's looking slightly unlikely. Now I, I was talking on my Arsenal WhatsApp group with like Derma O'Leary and Dan Baldwin, and they were saying they're not that bothered about the Europa League because you know maybe a season without it would be a time to focus and revamp the team. But are you in the, but there's two ways of looking, aren't there? There's, there's that. Yeah. All right. Team, a, a, a season without European football means you can focus on the league, blah, blah, blah. But without that money and without the, in quotes, prestige of being in Europe, isn't there, is there a problem attracting players and getting players to stay and get, having any money at all to spend? Where do you lie on that debate? It's, it's not really a debate, Boyd. You need it. You, it's another £30 million pounds to come out of the club if you don't qualify for the Europa League because you will lose broadcast money, you will lose a small amount of attendance money, although that might not be so much next year. Um, it really will be a meltdown. If you think that the, the calculations that the AST did looking at next season were forecasting a, a loss of £144 million, pounds, and that was assuming Europa League qualification... So if you want to, and I've seen people say this, oh, it'll be good to have a year out of Europe altogether. Well, which further two or three players do you want to let go on top of the four or five? You've got to do that anyway. And you don't, you're not signing anybody. So I really don't subscribe to the view that it's a good thing. Although I do think it's probably likely now. Just to also correct you, we can qualify for the Europa League if we beat Manchester City and what oh, yeah. Chelsea or Manchester yeah. United. Now you may have known that and just <laughs> felt that there was absolutely zero chance of that. I happening. did. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I knew if we if we win the FA Cup, yeah. We are not going to beat Manchester City. I'm saying that now. I know we like traditionally to leave predictions to the end, but them having scored ten goals in two games and now have the boost of of their successful appeal. I feel like at the very least, we'll have our traditional 3-0 defeat against City, and we don't really stand a chance there. Um, Ari, do you, do you feel the same way about the Europa thing? Is it stupid to... Well, well, I didn't, but it's kind of hard to argue with that uh, <laughs> after hearing it. But I think, look, I think from a financial perspective, and Tim knows much more than me about this, but yes, it's a, it's a very... It's not a debate, as he said. From a purely footballing perspective, like which I know is, is hard to look at football these days purely through that lens, uh, no, I, I wouldn't potentially, you know... I wouldn't mind not being in the Europa League. I didn't particularly enjoy enjoy it uh, until now. I guess until you get to the semis or the finals. So from a from a purely uh, football perspective or fans perspective, for me personally, like the Euro- Europa League doesn't have any gravitas. I know a few of the boys, I think Josh included, who go to a lot of the games, and I think they'll miss it greatly 
uh, from that perspective. But I just wonder, money, all money aside, like even as players, do the players even care? Like, does Aubameyang care about you at Europa League? It's all about the Champions League. But, you know, as Tim said, if it's going to hurt our finances even more, then absolutely we, we need to go hell for leather. And I'm not that uh, doom and gloom about our chances. I still think we can uh, make yeah. it up. Uh, the teams above us have some tricky games and we could potentially win our, you know, even Wednesday night, I wouldn't rule out a victory. I'm actually quite optimistic uh, after yesterday, mm. uh, more so going into the game, but I'm definitely not uh, doom and gloom on what occurred. I think it was a very, it's a very uh, simple case of you can't legislate for what Kolasinac did, right? And I think yeah. there's still so many positives uh, that I've seen in the last few weeks and yesterday didn't really change. Yeah, was- I think that's a good point. Josh, sorry. Yeah, I think I think Ari makes a good point, which is that I've seen I saw a lot of people. I mean, obviously, it's depressing and miserable that we lost to Spurs, but there were lots of. I felt there were lots of positives about the performance. You know, there were we we. Um, and I know I saw a lot of people saying we were terrible, but I didn't think we were terrible. And I thought, you know, on another day we would. If 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 Aubameyang had, had scored one of his chances, which he may well have done on a normal day, um, then we could have won that game, and you know, it wouldn't have been. We wouldn't have been feeling this way now. Obviously, it's. it's I feel like there's no point in being that reactive about this that particular game. I didn't think it was a disastrous performance. But Josh, what did you think? No, I agree with Ari. If you look at the performances from the last week since we did our last podcast, we did more than enough to win the game mm. against Leicester. Mm. And we'll talk maybe about the red card and the impact that had. And yesterday we weren't brilliant, but we we didn't do enough to lose that game. We should and we should have taken the four points. And we'd be feeling so different if, if we had than just in terms of opportunity here. So I also think, and Tim mentioned this 30 million, if there, I mean, bear, we haven't not been in Europe since I think 1995, 96. So it's an incredible length of time. And it feels incredibly strange to even you know conceive a season without European football. But if you were going to look back on a 30 year period and pick a season to avoid it, it's probably next year, right? We, we can't go as fans in the traditional sense. Um, we've just had a new manager, maybe giving him an opportunity not to be distracted with European football could see benefits overall. So, you know, much as I hope we beat Man City, much as I think it would be amazing if we win the FA Cup, you know, I, I, we can't be as down and in the, in the dumps as, as maybe we'd, we'd usually feel after a week like this. Mm. Josh, Josh, that can't be right. You, you you said it's the year not to be in Europe. So the year when we lose up to £90 million of <laughs> ticket revenue and see commercial and television revenues for the standard competitions decline, you say that's the year to voluntarily also give up £30 million of broadcast revenue from UEFA. I'm a, little, I'm a little bit thinking of the fact that like to miss a European away trip that, that doesn't exist. You mean for the fans? From a, from a fan's perspective, financially, I mean, look, Tim, we, we know, don't we, that they've already agreed with the players that they were going to lose 12.5% and that was going to come down if we qualified for European competition, which still, I think, no other club came out and publicly said they were going to be like that. So there's clearly huge you know, financial implication. But, you know, it's as a also, fan... It's also, Josh, it's less chance to go to the Emirates because I've got my first call with Arsenal tomorrow as AST to do some yep. chatting about what return might look like. 
But if it does happen, it will be with very reduced attendances. So it would have been helpful to have a few Europa League games to, so to get our quota of, of going back to the Emirates. Here. You see, I don't really mind him because I'm relying on the fact that Dermot's just had this new baby. Boyd's <laughs> got club level. They're going to look after people in club level and I'll just go with Boyd. I'm not worried about <laughs> singing blocks well. Is that fair, Boyd? <laughs> Oh yeah, you can certainly come. Although I think I've got, I have a sense that um, Dermot will still make it to quite a few games. I mean, I have no evidence for that. But um, but Tim, do you think that's interesting? Just to just to talk about your your swing to Arsenal tomorrow. What do you think? Do you think I I've been saying for a couple of weeks? I'm imagining they'll invite like club level and box holding people to to to, to come to go back to attend games first. Is that? Do you think that they'll do that? Do you think you know they'll? No, I, I don't. Mean, I don't think they will. But well, oh okay. Because Boyd, remember that if. If and when we go back, we have to go back with social distancing. Yeah. But you can only have so many in each area. Right. Um, or your usual seat. And I don't see them saying to a club level, well, you can go in the general admission at the place of someone else. I think it will just be a random proportion of each each area. But um, there's a lot of work yet to do, um, and the government's got to work it through. But one of the things, I don't know if you've noticed, um, Josh was in a pub earlier on, but you're not supposed to play music or have sporting events on the television too loud because that makes people talk louder. Um, one of the things we tend to do at football matches, maybe not Arsenal all the time, is shout and be happy and make noise. <laughs> and that suggests you have more social distancing. And that means you're looking at maybe 10, 12,000 allowed into the stadium on the two metre um, mm. social distancing requirement. Um, also, I don't quite know how they'll work this one out but you're supposed to keep your distance from other people. Um, how they'll quite work out the allowed bubble or family group in the stadium, we've got to work that one through. Mm. But I, um, yeah, I let's hope that some of us are back, back in there on, I think it's September the 12th, when Arsenal start a, a, a fresh do start, you, full season. Do you, think, do you think they'll ask for season ticket renewals anyway? Aren't Spurs doing that? Aren't Spurs asking the fans to renew their season tickets anyway? And then if if they don't get back in next season, like they'll at least come the season after or something like that. Is that? Do you think Arsenal will do that? Well, Spurs have asked for 20%, almost oh, okay. like, a, like a deposit payment or a right. declare that you're interested payment. Right. I think one of the reasons of talking to Arsenal tomorrow is work out how they're going to do it. Um, because clearly it's almost inconceivable that as a season ticket holder, you'll go to every game. So will they ask you to pay half of a season ticket and then work out a credit system from there? I think it's really complicated to know how it will work or or what they'll do. Um, One of the things that Spurs are doing, and quite a lot of people have asked me to ask Arsenal to do, is to allow a year's opt-out. You might be shielding, you might just have big financial worries, you yeah. might not fancy almost just to say for a year, look, I, I let the season ticket go this year. I still want to retain my right, but can you pull it back in the system? And that might be quite advantageous for those. Like a season ticket holiday. Yeah, season like, ticket holiday yeah. for a year. Yeah. If, no, that, if a, that'd be good. If a formal government advice is still to shield, yeah. or you know, if you're still working your way through furlough or whether you've got a job, to take a year just to out would be very, very helpful to people. But I've got no idea yet what the, what the club are going to do. But mm. it's only, as I say, it's less, just two months away now till um, the proposed start of a new season. And, uh, and, you know, will we all be back there? God, yeah, it's a big question, isn't it? But, but anyway, back to the football, Ari, um, and to the, to the Spurs game specifically. What, going all the way back to the, 
team selection, actually. I do. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Arteta. I think he's done a brilliant job. I, I would. I, I did question not picking Zaka. Did you? I felt like if uh, you know, no, no, I, no? I, I, Zaka should, was due arrest. Um, and look, he scored a brilliant goal at Wolves, but he was he was which was obviously his right as an 18 year old. He was not. <laughs> And I think um, I, I didn't mind that decision at all. I also didn't mind the decision to stick with the same team. Look, I think the team has been really far from spectacular, even during our good run. I think I was remarking to a few of my friends, I can't really remember some of the games. Like I can't remember us being worse as an attacking force as we've been in recent weeks, right? But the way I look at it is, Arteta, you know, let's say he's, he's got to imagine a tick box of five or six things that, I've got to do to make this team competitive. And he's literally going through them one at a time. I think the first thing we've, you know, I've certainly been crying out for for years is can you just make the team set up properly and competitive and stop giving away so many chances, right? That was, the, I think, yeah. the big thing a lot of us were crying out for. I think it's been so long now. We've had lockdown in between. We forget, like, the absolute... Uh, madness of the early season when we were conceding like 30 shots against teams like Southampton and Watford. You know, the Watford yeah. game was this season, wasn't it? it yeah. That was, that's, that was a mental game. And he's, he's completely rectified that, granted at the total expense of uh, any kind of attacking <laughs> threat for most of the game. But I think he's just being really pragmatic and he's just actually solved a problem that I think we were all crying out for and winding us up for a very long time. And that, he deserves a massive credit for that. And he's done it with substandard defenders, each of whom have a mistake in them every three games, let's say. But when you've got three of them, you know, the law of averages tell you one of them is going to make a mistake most games. And uh, look, that's what that's what happened yesterday. And um, I just think everyone's some knee-jerk stuff about Arteta. I just don't get it, really. I think it's so positive what he's doing. Uh, not just the way he talks, because everyone can talk a, a good game. But actually, what you're seeing on the pitch, he's he's rectifying some really long-standing problems with a substance. But he's not he's not winning any more points when we were winning under Emery. No, no. Well, but that's where I think you've got to look at uh, what we're doing on the pitch, right? I think we tightened up massively, which has been a problem for how many years? Like, have Arsenal been leaky? Like, ten. I can't remember. More than ten. More than, more than ten. ten. Yeah. Like, we have these games that we're winning one nil away from home. <laughs> They're boring, right? Uh, but we've not won games like that in years and years and years. And I think that's the start of what he's trying to do. And I think I do. Ultimately, it's whether you believe him or believe in him or not, because only time will tell. But fundamentally, the way I look at it is he's trying to shore up the defence and make us much harder to beat and to stop giving away chances. And almost like this is an oversimplification, obviously, you know, try and sort that out and then we'll move on to actually progression further up the pitch and I don't know I don't know what else he he could be expected to do Emery had no and I, I you know I really want to give Emery a chance as well because he also talked a good game when he came in but ultimately nothing came of it um but you had literally no clue what he was trying to do months yeah. later I think everyone has a I don't know I feel like I've got a real clue of what Arteta is trying to do yeah, Tim, because the, the performances are better, aren't they, Tim? Even if the results, I mean, if it strikes me that he's he's setting up the team, as Ari says, in a very clear way. And I think um, it feels more solid. If he didn't have three defenders, as Ari says, who are all of whom are capable of committing a heinous bout of insanity every, once every three or four games then this way we've been set up i mean even in, and, and in fact actually you, you, he's set them up almost taking that into into account like the only way of dealing with their incompetence is this formation that is that he's that he's created which is i think 
making the performances better. And I think there's a clarity of purpose to us. And against Leicester particularly, I thought there were a lot of positives. Like we had, we only had 41% possession, possession in that game. We had 59%. We had 11 shots, seven on target. And I thought generally, and we had a period of about 20, 25 minutes where we were absolutely dominant and of course should have won the game until we had the sending off, etc. But that, I thought that was a really positive kind of game. And then again, we're not, you know, against Spurs... If you you know discounting the, the the horrendous moment from Kolasinac, there were positives to take out of it. No, or do you? I mean, you you must you must concede that we're looking better than we were under Emery. Surely, I think that it does feel like there's a little bit more purpose, a little bit more energy and commitment. But then I do sometimes wonder if we see what we want to see. Definitely, what helps is the fact that. He, you can understand what he's saying, which sounds ridiculous to say, but just when you can understand the messages he's trying to send. And I, I'm, I, I'm not trying to say that I think he's the wrong person at the moment. I think whoever was in there would have one hell of a job because look at that squad. Um, I also think they're not the most important person now, given the issues we have. I think you, and our new structure, you need to look at the director of football and his assistant and what they do is probably a bigger factor. But I, I just look at it in the round and realise that with the same amount of resources and basically half a season each, Emery and Arteta basically delivered the same thing, although Arteta couldn't deliver a win against you know, a team as lowly as Olympiacos in the Europa League. Um, the real test, I guess, is, is the next two games, because if you can pull something off against Liverpool or City, then that, that's the difference almost. That'll make a huge difference to where he can take the club, because it may well deliver Europa League. So let's see how he manages these two really big games. But I think if you actually look at the output, you know, we are as poor as we were in the first half of the season. Can, can I just say quickly as well, like, I, so I, I agree with Tim. I don't think our performances have been better under Arteta, like overall. Like the football's definitely not been better, right? The, the number of, I, I don't know the actual stats to mind, but I'd be shocked if we're making more chances under Arteta. Um, so it's not that we're playing better necessarily. It's, one thing is a clean sheet. You know, I don't think you can argue with uh, like what's ten clean sheets, um, which again is just something I've just been crying out for. And I just see it as building blocks to what's coming in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I think the football's been absolutely shocking, uh, just incredibly cautious. And I think, um, to be fair to Jamie Redknapp, he called it quite well on the TV yesterday. That pass that Kalasinac played back. I mean, mm. pretty much everyone in the team has been playing those passes for the last, like, six weeks. And there's just, there was just no need to. He could have played it infield or he could have played it forward out wide. He got punished. So, But I, I don't know. I'm choosing to believe that there is, there is method to, to it uh, and it's building up to something. And you've got to start with a good defence, which is not what we've had for a long time. I think, I, think we've, I think we've... I don't know about you, Josh, but I think we've had bouts of better play than we did under... Um, under Emery, I think you know, like you know the twenty minutes yesterday, where we were attacking, and, and you know Tottenham lined up their banks of four, and it was hard. But I think, you know, there were there there are there are, there are encouraging signs with with and again and again against Leicester. So I, I I do I think I do think the performance is better personally. Josh, do you or do you agree with Ari? They're not even better. I mean, I, I'm remembering some really really painful. I mean, the mere fact we're not conceding dozens of chances to the opposition. And I don't think the create the create the chances create. I think they're probably about the same as you say. So that, it, that does mean the performances are better, in my opinion. Josh, 
I, I, it feels slightly better under Arteta. I don't know if that was because I was quite negative generally on, on Emery, and it's hard to sort of walk away from feelings about him and, and how he was doing as a role. But Tim's absolutely right in terms of the statistics. But with Arteta, you know, can we forgive him for coming halfway through a season, taking over not only from Emery, but the weird period with Lundberg and, and then coming in and then coronavirus and... I think we'll we'll have to see what comes out next season unless he does something what feels miraculous in terms of getting European football from the league or surprising in terms of the FA Cup. Because if he can deliver European football, then it's a huge success and a bigger success than probably what has happened in, in the last year or two in terms of where we were when he when he came into the club. So it feels slightly better, but... You know, I'm I'm aware that the statistics probably don't show a great deal. I am just with Ari. The, the going to the Emirates and seeing Wolves or Watford, Burnley, all these clubs come. You could go to Arsenal over the years and people come away with points or very occasionally victories where they don't deserve it. But there were clubs coming and battering us at home. And at least that doesn't feel like it, it's happening. You know, we, we've, we've gone down, we've lost games like the one at home to, to Chelsea where probably we're unfortunate. You know, we dropped points. You know, yesterday where we probably don't deserve it, and against Leicester, it, it feels different. But maybe I'm rose-tinted glasses. We we never would have. I just can't see how we ever would have won at Wolves or Sheffield United under Emery. So while statistically yeah, exactly. you could argue side by side, maybe they look the same. There was just we'd never in a million years would have gone and got those results under Emery. So something yeah. is changing. Or has Do you think we'd have got those results with fans, fans in the stadium? In the stadium. Uh, that's a really good point because I definitely think we are certain players as well are, are enjoying not having the fans and the lower the lower tempo. But I don't know. I don't know. It, it could go. You can make that argument both ways. Um, I think in the Spurs game, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I think I, I know what you mean about the fans, and I think in general, a lot of our players, you know, are more relaxed, less tense. But then the the other side of that is, I think against Spurs, I felt the likes of Louise, you know, and Kalasinac with that horrendous moment which that moment literally was that was it for me like i i never thought we were going to recover from that um i think those i, I thought that was a relaxed and them hugging them I, I know these things are maybe slightly crass to point out but i felt there wasn't an urgency about us mentally um against spurs that if the crowd had been there i don't think they would have let they that would have necessarily have i mean who can say but i felt like almost louise I, I just thought was right from the start was fucking shit and just not focused and you know just everything, all, all the things they warned us about came back to haunt us. And of course, Mustafi had his moment, that incredible moment where they, somehow they didn't score from like three errors in like uh, 10 seconds from Mustafi. Extraordinary moments. And I feel, I don't know whether they're better with the crowd. I can't work out whether it's, it's worse for the crowds, not there or better. I don't know. I'm not, it, but I know it's, it's really miserable, those, those defenders. Well, well, at Tottenham away, to give Tottenham credit, their fans are usually very good in, in that fixture. So I think it could only yeah. really have benefited us by them not being there. I did feel that when Kalazanac played that ball, there was a bit of David Luiz thinking, I've been sent off a couple of times. You know, particularly you know Chelsea away and then Man City away, and here we were against another big six team away, and he just he just it was like I'm not going to make a challenge here. It wasn't like, his fault, you know, though, was it? That was Kalasinac's fault. Of course, it's not his fault. 
Sorry, Ari? I, I think people are way too quick to jump on the guy. An example that he's even mentioned, um, not just by you just just now, Josh, but like, has he somehow at fault for that like beautiful through ball that cut him out of the game? against? He's not at fault, but you could tell there's already that piece of doubt in his mind yeah, of yeah. Like not being willing to put himself in a position where he's letting the team down. He'd almost rather be like, well, it, I'm not going to put us risk putting us down to 10 men because then it really is, you know, you know, an uphill task. So, um, I thought that was the only point. No, it's definitely not his fault. It was an extraordinary ball and, you know, uh, frustrating that even Martinez, who's been a shining light of the last seven weeks, you know, there was absolutely nothing he could do about it. It was a, it was a really smart finish. But Mustafi in the second half, there were moments where it was like, you know, if you could have said, well, you know, what can you do to help Tottenham? It, it was, he was supplying them with like assist left, right and centre. And that moment where, Kane, you know, just had to just head it past him, and Mustafi was on the floor. Yeah, you know, it was just I watch it. I mean, you know, I feel like fans get more and more excited about Saliba every week that goes past, in the hope that the new Tony Adams is is a few weeks away. Tim, in the fir- in the first like minute, Spurs had a chance though, didn't they? Like that Harry Kane um, chance, which I felt I, I felt Louise was didn't didn't seem focused on you know what was happening i felt like that that set that, that was like set of my alarm bells going from the off that we did not start that game well and not i mean all the defenders i felt like looked didn't didn't look great in the first kind of five ten minutes it was none of games are broken down into four quarters spurs came like, almost like you'd expect for a derby they came out strong in the first quarter or particularly the beginning almost mm. like they got that crowd behind them let's go at them and then they won the final quarter on the classic almost sort of counter or soak it all up and ask them to make lots of passes in the middle. Um, with, again, I, I feel um, one thing certainly that I'm not convinced about on Arteta is the use of substitutions, which is one of the things that you expect your coach to be strong at because they are now called head coach rather than manager. And that's an area they've got to be good at. And I thought the, the, maybe the selection as well, particularly with Saka not playing. I think, you know, why don't you play the man in form? Um, yeah, yes, I agree with that. Um, you know, we, we, I wondered, I thought maybe they actually looked slightly nervous in the sense that they understood yeah. how big the game was. So there wasn't a crowd there, but that was to all intents and purposes, you know, you, yesterday felt like almost like a Europa League playoff because you felt yes. like whoever won yesterday, the loser was all, you could almost write them out. And particularly if the, if the judgment at Cass on the UEFA decision on City went went the way it did today. And I just felt that that they looked a bit more nervous, almost like it like they knew it mattered, but they weren't quite able to deal with it mattering. Uh, and, and the thing about the look, everyone's—it's obvious what the mistake, but it was the timing of the mistake. That's why yeah. it was so utterly criminal. I'm just, like Kalasnach just needs to be banished for a little bit because yeah, definitely. what occurred was yes, we'd started badly, we got on top. Lacazette pulls out a worldie, and he's had such a poor time of it that he's mm-hmm. kind of everyone is just buzzing at that point. Spurs are tired, and all kinds of doubts going through their mind. And I've, you know, it's easy to say that now, but we just needed to be sensible. And it felt like we were just going to grow into the game and take it on. And to, you know, he could have made that mistake half an hour later. It wouldn't have completely sucked the life out of the entire team. And yes, they're professionals and they should get on with it and should bounce back. But it's totally demoralising when you go up in the derby with a goal like that and within two minutes you, you watch a defender give it all away. And that's just what you can't legislate for. Mustafi as well, I've... 
you know, he just makes you, he makes all of us, and probably not all of us, but the, the idiots amongst us, like myself, just look stupid over and over because he kind of goes through this like renaissance where he really, I thought, deserved a lot of credit actually. And then a, a flick, you know, just switches uh, or switch flicks in his head on, on 70 minutes. And I've just never seen just like, a, it wasn't just a turnaround in terms of the first 70 and then the final 20. It was like the last six weeks or however long he's been playing well for less than that, you know, just go out the window. Uh, and that's where you need a strong manager now and a strong director of football to not kind of, you know, fall into these old traps and just be like, this guy is not good enough. He's constantly, he's going to let us down enough times. We just need to get rid. But that's where the positives come in, right? Because we've got potentially two centre-backs already at the club in Mari and Saliba who could step in. So, yes, we need reinforcements. We need to spend more money. But some of that has already been spent on potential replacements and if even one of them is good we'll be in a better place for it next year yeah i agree with that we've got we've got we've got a lot of bodies at center back haven't we in theory um and i and, and you're absolutely right i mean i think it's all of us all of us kind of are lulled into that you know mustafi's come good kind of you know in the last few weeks and he's yeah he's kind of and then yeah i just i think now i feel like i'm never ever going to say that again i don't care you know it's like you just know that in yeah as you say that he's capable of Fuck you all up. But I think they all are. And I, I would include, I mean, you know, I would include Louise in that. They're all, and the thing about Kalasinac that infuriates me is he's always been weak. His passing is like, he's all, I'm going back to, you know, his, how long has he been at the club? For, you know, 2017, I think maybe he joined. I, I remember thinking back, way back then, you know, why does he keep, he's constantly passing it backwards. He never passes it forwards. He's always scared. You know, he runs like a, you know, he's, he's, he's brilliant at kind of, he looks strong and he runs when he was playing, you know, fullback all that, all that, all that time. But now is in this role, he's just scared of, of, um, of passing it forward. I thought that, and that, well, the, I think the goal kind of came from that. He was constantly, and I know a lot of teams get lulled into, you know, they're supposed to retain the ball and they're passing it along the back. And that, a lot of teams do that, but we, we must hold the record for that. I mean, the amount of time as we're just uselessly passing it back and sideways. Yeah. It, it's just Emory, with Emery, when it was all going, um, tits up there were these heat maps doing the round of like where the ball was moving yeah. and to be fair and I'm again a massive fan of Arteta but I, I, I'd be interested to see some of those heat maps the last few weeks because the amount of ball that has been played you know sideways sideways and backwards amongst our, our back three and Shaka uh, between them is startling it, it kind of feels like they've been instructed to do it he's trying to you wonder don't you yeah yeah, he's trying to he's trying to keep possession and bring teams onto them and cut them out. But um, but that's why I felt we missed Saka so much as well. As well. So I do think he's been key in providing some impetus, and and he's the one often who grabs the ball and goes and and plays it forward. And I, I felt we we did we did miss him. I have to say yesterday, Josh. No, I'd agree. I just um, you know you know ultimately feel that at the moment where where we are with. You know, Arteta bringing us in has got to leave us with the sense. I, I want to be glass half full, and I'm with I'm with Ari. Like I'm going to take take the positives now. It's been a weird season. There's no European football probably on the horizon, barring a surprise, and we'll we'll just start looking forward to next season. But I know we've got to take a break, so maybe we'll take a break, and then I want to hear a bit more about the other issues that Tim's got to raise at the AST meeting tomorrow. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, 
something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back from the break. Josh, what are you going to say? I was just wondering with Tim, with this ASC meeting that you've got going on tomorrow, obviously the, the club are going to be talking to you about capacity at the ground and what's going to be done on that and communicating with the fans. But what else is on, on the agenda? What, what are the club communicating with you about at the moment? Well, it is a meeting about the return to fans. So it is, it, it is um, probably we'll do a survey of the membership after that to ask people what they're thinking. Would they go? Some of the obvious questions, would you accept a mandatory face mask throughout the game? Which could actually feel quite restrictive if you think how you normally behave at a game. What, you know, how would you arrive at the ground? They're going to have to look at public transport issues. But most importantly, how do you do the allocation amongst season ticket holders and silvers and reds and so on? Um, But the other big question for Arsenal, which we posed, but we haven't had an answer yet, is what's going on with the financing? As you might have seen this week, that Arsenal paid off most of the debt that they had, not all of it, but most of the debt that they had from the building of the Emirates Stadium. Um, only they paid it off by taking another loan. So they swapped a loan. So before it was a loan from bondholders paying at about 6% a year. And it's now been swapped to a loan that's been taken out from Stan Kroenke or KSE UK, his company that wholly owns Arsenal. Um, Probably that has been done to reduce payments in the short term, but increase them in the long term. And also it will allow us to use a bit more of the cash that's on on reserve. Um, In the old days, I talk about the old days, but until last week, Arsenal had to keep about £35 million of cash in the club. And that was a kind of that was a covenant to protect the bondholders that we'd always be able to meet the payments to them. And that will be lifted. Why is that so important? Well, we estimate that this month or next month, Arsenal will run out of cash. They won't have any money to pay the pay the squad and the staff because the cash flow has just stopped. You know, they haven't taken 80 million pounds worth of season ticket money renewal um, and other payments from sponsors and, and so on over the summer. Yet they're still paying north of twenty million pounds every month as a wage bill. So this is this is really important when you talk about being excited for next <laughs> season. <laughs> I tell you what, it's a good job we did buy Saliba. In effect, he, he's this summer's signings. And when people say, "Will Arsenal spend any money this transfer window?" I say, "Well, yes." because they'll spend £30 million on Saliba. And people get disappointed because they factored him in last year, but we didn't actually pay the money. It was a transfer deal that was sort of set up with a loan and then make the big payment. Um, And I bet you, you know, we're lucky they did that because I bet you they wouldn't be signing him now if it wasn't the fact that they were committed to because they just... 
they haven't got a pot to piss in going forward. <laughs> it is monumental the, the 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 collision that is coming of our wage bill and our commitments to buy players that we like. You know, you pay almost 20 million every year towards the Pepe transfer and so on. I think we've got 100 million pounds nearly to go out this summer of fees committed to all the players that we've bought, although we should get about 60 million in. So it's a net of of about 40 million. Um, It's going to be fascinating to watch how they do it. But my God, it's a bit scary when you look at what Arsenal need to do and they don't have the resources to do it. Didn't we, didn't we not so long ago have like the biggest cash reserve out of anyone in, in, um, in the in the Premier League. Yes. And what happened to that? Well, some of it, they did actually start to spend a bit more money. We've been really big spenders over the last two or three years. We've got a bit used to it. Not, maybe not spent that well, but we've spent very well by two things. One, by bigger fees. Um, but the other, we pay a wage bill that is very high for what we get. Um, and don't forget, we've got one player, you know, <laughs> earning nearly £20 million a year. Now, what's happened to him? Now, this is when everyone says, uh, you know, it's just like what has happened? Emery got loads of grief for basically like leaving him out and a decision I was com- convinced came from higher up. And now Arteta's doing it. And I also think it's a decision that's come from higher up. Um, I also think the Gwendozi decision is led by finances, not actually by the player's talent. Because I think the player has got enough talent to offer things to Arsenal but he's been identified as one of those that's got a resale value because he's young and under contract, unlike a lot of our players. So I think that a decision has been made to move him on. And then you see actions that follow from that that might tie in with some good squad management. But it's all about managing this transfer window that's coming. We, we've got assets that we can sell, right? I mean, this is a horrible thing to say, but if, if the, 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 um, the situation is dire, so I was thinking about Leno for example. I mean, it's premature because Martinez has just been in for a few games, but I think he's been extremely impressive. So if he was to carry on in this vein, there's been talk about in the past, Leno, Bayern Munich want Leno. Or, you know, he's someone who could command a very, very big transfer. Yeah, yeah. but it sounds a bit like a fire sale when you're talking about selling him. Um, of course, if we don't get in the Europa League, your backup goalkeeper has very few opportunities So it might be harder to keep a good backup goalkeeper. You might feel it's worth securing value if you've got one who is overskilled for the backup that's needed. I I think that the situation we're in, you can't rule out any player going. Just just on the finances, though, just going back to the the, not having a pot to piss in, and and, um, what, what... what is the answer then? Surely the isn't the answer really that actually in the end, Kroenke just does make sure we haven't have enough money that we need. I mean, he, you know, he's still a very rich man. There's still we're still a you know we're not just going to like ground grind to a halt and not you know. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't I don't get the sense that he's just going to kind of literally stop the club from buying anyone and you know. What do you, do you know what I'm saying? I think when it comes to the crunch, there's enough. He's got enough money, hasn't he, just to kind of secure our future and give us enough to be to, to be getting along with. Or is well, that naive of me? It's sort of naive in that Stan Kroenke had never put a penny into Arsenal. I know, I know, and I, but... and I don't think he will. What he has done is he's let the people at the club spend the money that it has, and they've spent a lot of money. They've just spent it very badly. Badly, to, yeah. To me, so many of the problems go back to that winter transfer window, you know, the one where 
we gave Ozil 350k a week, which was a panic because we'd let Sanchez go for nothing. Yeah. We picked up Mkhitaryan on 200k a week, which was a was the second worst deal Arsenal have ever done. And and even then, although you can see what he does, but we spent all that money on Aubameyang, you know, an older player, when that wasn't the position in the squad where we were most suffering or needing to buy to strengthen its weaknesses. So that that window. And then, obviously, they, they gamble big on Pepe. And I think on a good day, we can see that maybe next year that will that will come to life and look worth it. But they've been spending the money, Boyd. Um, remember, that every month, nearly £25 million goes out in wages and other costs. So you times that by four months, and that's £100 million, And that's that cash reserve pile that you've been hearing of for the last few years gone. But, what, but we're not going to... Yeah, so what happens then, then? Well, what, you say? What, what happens then, if you don't get us paying the money again for tickets in considerable numbers, you have to make cuts. You have to cut the wage bill and you have to sell players to bring in cash to basically keep be, be able to keep the club ticking over. If, Arsenal, if Arsenal's income nearly halves next year, mm. you can't still run a £220 million wage bill, or well, that's when you end up making a loss of £100 million. But I mean, but clubs do run at those kind of losses, don't they? I mean, they do. It's not just... for very not for very long, and 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 be anywhere um, sort of reasonable. Yes, you can of course carry the loss, but the, the ones that carry losses like that are ones that have got um, investment from their owners. Just Tim, just talking about obviously these huge financial implications. So, it, you, what's your anticipation for this call tomorrow? Because Getting 15,000 in a stadium is a hell of a lot better than getting zero. So do you think the clubs are all sort of working together, hell-bent as a Premier League almost, to go, well, we just have to get whatever we can in because we, we, we do need to find this money from wherever we can? Yes, there's lots of work going on in um, getting fans in. And it needs a lot of work because you need to think, uh, you know, about the... If you think about your visit to the stadium, you've got the security pat down. That's quite complicated in a social distancing environment. You've got to get through turnstiles, which is probably the most vulnerable bit of all, because everybody touches the turnstiles. But when you queue to get in, if you have a two-metre social distancing queue, you know, you'll be joining the queue outside Finsbury Park (laughs) or going back up into Upper Street. Um, Then you've got the fact that an awful lot of people that... At Arsenal, 40% of the ticket revenue comes from 15% of the seats, which is where Boyd is and <laughs> others. But whether how much people will feel that experience is worth it if you can't have food and drink there, or there's a very you know reduced serving of food and drink, um, and so on. And then you've got the issue of toilets, and as I said, getting people in and out of the ground, who goes in together. It's going to be really difficult. But yes, Josh, Arsenal... You know, if Arsenal can get a third in over the season, that's only 60 million lost from gate receipts, not 90 million. So they will be doing all, all, all that they can. But the broadcasters are paying less. The sponsors are paying less. Even on a best case scenario, I think Arsenal lose 100 million pounds next year. Woohoo! Big, big, <laughs> big times ahead. God, it's going to be. Uh... The only club, and yet still, that, are, Tim, the only club I, that on their business model are more in the shit than Arsenal, I suppose. That's brilliant. But it's weird, isn't it, though? Because I still see us linked with players. Like, I still see transfers. We're still yeah. linked with Thomas well, Partey. You, you know and... why that works, Boyd. You're, you're, you're in the business. That's called 
um, clickbait. That's called making you excited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we make. I bet we sign a couple of players. Oh, so, oh, boy, we will sign players, but they will be swaps or they will be free right. transfers. Willian from Chelsea? Anybody? Oh, fuck off, Willian. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, that's not you. Uh, yeah, the whole idea of Willian no, from Chelsea seems. But, but, oh, but oh, boy, I think there'll be more rotation of players. Arsenal, well, particularly going out, which you might say isn't as exciting, although it might be depending on who it is. But I think you'll see plenty of activity. I just don't think you'll see big um, transfer yeah. fees attached what, to it. I know this is a subject we 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 talk about every single week, but what the fuck do we do about Urso? I mean, it is preposterous, isn't it? Three hundred and fifty k a week. Can what? we not cut a deal with him? Is that is that unrealistic? Yes. So if he's no, over you, twenty million next year, will he not the well, the fucker not take like ten million to yeah, go away. I but think I, that's what I think I, that's probably what they're trying to push him to. And as crazy as it sounds, but if you pay him two hundred k a week to go away, but be allowed to sign somewhere else or do what he wants, then you actually have to say that's a saving of one hundred and fifty k a week, rather than see the negative of it not being paid. Um, surely, it, it something like that has to happen. Um, what? So you mean it goes out on? on loan or something to another well club. it's almost the same thing Boyd but at the moment we've got 52 well just under what 50 weeks left of paying in 350k a week <laughs> if you can reduce that to 200k a week yeah. I, know it's, I know 200k a week for a player that doesn't play for you is ridiculous but it's not as ridiculous as a player that's costing 350k a week yeah. Um, we're just sending around the squad every day. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're, they're in a place of work. Any place of work you go in every day, you've got some like spectre of some moody git, you know, miserable, who's probably mates with some of the players. It's just, you know, money, there's a money saving here reason to just turf him out. And well, there's, well, there's well you, Tim, a... you didn't you suggest we sack him? And then uh, didn't John Cross get really annoyed with you for that? Yeah, yeah he was very upset, bless him. I think, think he might like Mezzet's agent. <laughs> oh, and why, but why I said that, I mean, I, I would sack, but obviously you pay up the contract because that's contract law. But probably I was going in the same direction as Ari just was going there, which is you can't have that influence at the club. Mm. I think, the, you know, the influence of someone that sort of comes into the training ground that isn't used, that, that they all know is there. I think it would actually look better for the rest of the workforce if, if they were terminated if they weren't there anymore. Yeah, I agree. It's got a finality to it. It also means Arteta doesn't have to dodge the question. And I think he's getting off lightly with not being asked. I think it's amazing how it's gone on so long that Arsenal fans have almost just accepted it now. It is out of this world, like, batshit crazy. (laughs) We are paying a player £20 million for this year to not... What is it? One goal and one assist is the output. Yeah. In, for this season, with next season still to come, and that cannot ultimately, the players that are putting a shift in, they all know how much he's getting. Um, and let's also remember that he's one of the players that refused to take any pay cut. Yeah, of course. Dermot likened it in our, in our WhatsApp group today to the um, to the 350 million um, a week on the to the NHS on the side of a bus for Argo. I thought that was quite a good comparison. Um, it is, it is absolutely incredible, isn't it, really? It, it, what ha- we're the only people who get ourselves in this situation, so it? it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I'd be quite happy to get him sacked tomorrow, definitely. Josh? Well, I mean, the, the, Tim, you mentioned there about him being asked about it, Artetin. I think he was even after the game yesterday, but his response now every week is, 
it's an internal matter and I have nothing to say. So there's a, clearly a, a yeah. party line. It feels like the club must be working on an exit strategy. They have to be, right? Like they, they will be. And I'm sure some of this action is, is about demonstrating finality now. So actually to push Ozil and his agent to accept the kind of thing we were just talking about, which is, look, here's £10 million, please go away. You know, you, we'll, we'll release your signature so you can do a free transfer into another club. Or, you know, if you want to go and live in Turkey and be, you know, court jester to, or, you know, whatever you want to do, off you go and do. Go court and, jester to Erdogan, is that where you're, is that where you're going? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to wonder yeah. how harsh I should be. Say but, it, you know, say it. <laughs> he, can, he can go and do whatever he likes. Um, yeah. And if it saves Arsenal even a penny on what it would cost to still have him around. And I think, because surely if you were Arteta, you'd have him on the bench as an option, if there wasn't a bigger corporate decision going on here about a longer-term decision. You, we've talked about Arsenal not creating any... I mean, he would not make that team any worse, would he? He might not make it any much better, but he wouldn't make it any worse. And it's clearly a corporate strategic play that is going on now, but equally, not something that is just under the determination of Arteta. But equally, I do think he, he, the attitude issue is a thing. I, I do think he's feel like he's taking a stand with the players that have a bad attitude as well, doesn't it? I, I, like, I think, I don't, I almost feel like, you know, it makes sense. It doesn't make any sense to have him as a sub when he, as we're saying, he's a, clearly a, a terrible example for the rest of the squad because he's a fucking pain in the arse. Sorry, Josh. So, you, so you're not expecting him Saturday, FA Cup <laughs> semi-final, Meza Ozil starting, to drag us to victory into an FA Cup final. You're well, not expecting it. It would actually be the thing to do, wouldn't it? Almost out of like the randomness and the surprise, and it might give everyone a lift. Emery would do it, definitely. Isn't there there a, if I thought, you know, I think there might be some footballing merit to it, but a surprise element. And and he has got, like you say, he can actually on his day do something that might make a difference. Whereas an awful lot of our midfield, they can't actually do it. They just can't make that pass or do that play. But he's not going to be. I just don't see it happening because I think this is now a decision that is being taken by Will Sonelli. He's got a sore back as well, to be fair. Oh, yeah, the sore back, yeah. yeah. No, sore back. Who keeps writing that on Arsenal? The sorest of they backs. Need to, they need to go. Yeah. I like the fact that Arteta doesn't talk about the fucking sore back. That's just, that's just the, um, yeah, like the social media and the club going on about the fucking sore back. Yeah, it's painful. Can I just, can I just mention Ceballos, though, as a positive? I do feel like... He has added. He has got better and better, hasn't he? In, since since the since the um, lockdown and everything. Since we, we don't come want back. him to be. Don't talk him up too much. We won't be able to afford the fee. Yeah. Oh God, I know, I know. He's not worth twenty five. If he's going to cost twenty five million, I wouldn't spend twenty. He has been excellent, actually. But it's, yeah. you know, Tim's point earlier, it struck me yesterday that is he just massively benefiting from these low tempo games? I mean, there were points yesterday where in the midfield it was walking pace, and he looks. Great, and I thought he was he was exceptional against Leicester as well. I mean, yeah. he's, he's been great, but yeah. I wonder is it a coincidence the tempo of these games has completely dropped off? He's getting more time, and he's a he's a lovely player. But if it was if we can get him on the loan extension, great. If it's going to be twenty five million, personally, I I wouldn't I wouldn't pay it. But midfield is an issue for us, isn't it? We're not we, we're not you know we haven't exactly got much other creativity uh, uh, or or any kind of solidity in fact in midfield. Um, I guess Torreira's to come, come. I guess Torreira will play. We in the cup. Buy, yeah, well, we're not going to buy anyone by the sound of it. But but that's why I think the the problems again. One reason for optimism is it's a it feels like a very simple, <laughs> relatively on the pitch anyway, a simple fix. The, the centre backs are horrendous. 
the centre midfield is pretty much equally woeful in terms of yeah. like just creative. So wing backs were in a good spot, keepers were in a good spot, uh, forwards, and we got Martinelli and Saka coming through, two very exciting youngsters. So it's just I don't know. I think we need three players between the centre backs and centre mid. Yeah. And, and you uh, look at when you look at like like Bruno Fernandes at Man United. What difference he's made? I look at that. So those what a signing of one per exact player that you need in one position can transform things. Because United weren't much better than us, you know, a few months ago, were they? You know, when, when we, we put our, our performance against them when I, I went to Old Trafford for that away game was it one all? I think it was. You know, that was like we were both almost exactly the same level of mediocrity on that day. And they've fucking turned it around incredibly, I think. Mainly due to one signing, I feel. Um, anyway, we should talk, look forward to predictions, though. What the fuck? The Liverpool game, I mean, Burnley got a draw against them. And they have been they have been great, have they, since they won the league. So I feel that this is... I think anything could happen in this Liverpool game, personally. Yeah. I don't know what to, I don't know what to what to put it. Tim, what's your feeling about it? What's about I, I I agree with you. It's really really hard to call. I mean, they've clearly got like a little bit of a sort of post winning it all gone a little bit flat, or they're all a bit drunk and not quite there. But I don't think they've been great since we've come back. But I just fear that maybe now that's far enough. They've proved that enough, and playing Arsenal is a chance to kind of demonstrate some authority. So that that's the bit that worries me. But. Mm. You can see everything from a 3-0 win because Liverpool just aren't on it and, and we play quite well to a 3-0 loss, can't you? But I, I think there's more chance than most people think because Liverpool were gonna, we might, might well not show up. They're already on the beach. So what you, what, I'm going to nail you down to a prediction. Well, having said all that, that then, I, yeah. I think it will be one all. OK. Ari? Yeah, I think, we'll, I think we'll play well. We'll show up because we've, in Arteta's get, who, who's he played? Big teams. Chelsea twice we showed up. And yeah. I'm really unfortunate to lose at home. United at home we showed up. City for the first 45 until Louis stepped in. I thought we showed up as well, right? So yeah. I, I think we will show up. I think I also think uh, one all. So now to come in here, would you... We've got two massive games that both yeah. are deciders in some ways or keep you going about getting to a Europa League place. Would you throw everything at one game and put out the second team in the other? And if so, which way round would you do it? I'd, I'd play the strongest team against Liverpool, for sure. Because you and just then, think against City. <laughs> I mean, there's no way we're being City. I don't know. But, but Boyd, you've got to look at this realistically. Like we're, Liverpool are still... Uh, Liverpool, I, I, I'm Liverpool maybe still Liverpool, that's definitely I, I don't think we... I don't. I mean, at best, we're taking a point. I, I think, sadly, and if you if we take a point, clearly now we we probably all think we need nine points. If we're going to get into Europe from the league, it's going to have to pretty much be nine points. Maybe conceivably seven. Somehow does does it if results really go with us. But we've we have done it in the cup, boys. You know, we have beaten a, a far Not superior. City. Well, we did beat City in a semi final. I know it's obviously going back a couple of years. Was it? 2017, we beat them in the semi-final. I, th- I think maybe 2018, one of the... Well, look, we have done it. We have beaten a, a probably slightly superior Chelsea side in a, in a one-off final. Um, I would just be having to... You know, if you are prioritising, for me, you've got to look, where is a bigger opportunity now, right now, of getting into Europe? And I, I think that is going to be through the FA Cup. He could, he could freshen up the team without making it any worse, right? He could put Holding, Socrates can come exactly. in, Cedric can come in, Torreira can come in, and I wouldn't say we've got any less chance with those guys playing on Wednesday I mean, night. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. 
Um, what was your prediction, Josh, of the of the Liverpool game? Then? I think we'll probably lose two one, um, but put in a reasonable performance. Um, are we predicting the Man City game yet, or not yet? We no, got I, no, I'm getting Liverpool. to that in a minute. You think uh, we're going to win? No, I'm, no, I don't. I think we'll get two all against Liverpool. But I do think I think um, if you look at the game, interest this mid this this kind of whole section of the league, which is this bunched up kind of you know this Europa League places. Like they're all like it's really bunched up. Like Chelsea playing Wolves, Wolves, um, Sheffield United playing um, Everton. I'm looking at the fixtures coming up. Leicester, Sheffield got to play Leicester. Burnley play Wolves. There's all the teams are kind of in that area playing each other. Apart from us, really, we've got our kind of fixtures. Yeah, but we've got to play two teams fighting for their lives. I know, I know. But <laughs> Watford at home, I'm fairly confident of that one. I don't know. Anyway. Um, well, I mean, you I talk about fighting possible. for their lives. I mean, it, it could be that, you know, if results go a certain way, that, that Villa are down by the time we play that. That yeah. could be. And then, obviously, that would leave, you know, Watford quite quite plausibly. Yeah. Also, so we could have, a, you know, we could have a, actually three games against teams that have nothing to play for, but it could go completely, you know, completely the other way. What's definitely the case is our rivals all have quite difficult games against teams that all have something to play for yeah. that's what i'm saying whereas ours is slightly more i don't know could go either way but anyway so i feel i think we're going to get two all against liverpool and then the cup game yes josh no, i was just one i just wanted to interject board have you been doing these zooms where you're watching you said you were going to watch with friends on zoom um, we did the first one um we only did we only did one really because now dermot's got a baby now don't so um you know the, the baby's he sent us a lovely picture of the baby you know, in the background of the uh, of the Spurs game, and the baby, let's just say the baby was paying about as much attention as our defenders were to Spurs. Um, but uh, the Man City game, I'm I'm kicking off with the three 0 defeat, with the traditional three 0 defeat. Ari, what do you think is going to happen in the cup game against City? I think we'll lo- again. I think we'll show up. I think we'll lose two uh, one. Tim, I think we're going to throw everything at the Liverpool game because. Yeah. It is still the more likely route and, and yeah. for lots of reasons. So I think they'll throw everything at that. I think they're a squad now that's running on gas because of having the extra games and you know actually not being able to rotate in certain key positions and players coming back. So I think having thrown everything at Liverpool um, and there still being a small chance, which I think there will be in the league, I think they'll go into City and probably get taken down 3-0, 3-1, a bit like you. I just don't there's too much of a gap added to the fact that all the nervous energy is going to be spent on Wednesday night. Yeah. Josh, we're going to win the semi-final boys. Whoa. I really crazy believe mofo. No, I, I believe they could do. I think there's, there's, there's one result left in this club this season. I really believe it. I, I think, you know, there have been glimpses there. We need to put a perfect 90 minutes together. We haven't really done that, but we have had, you know, chunks of, of games. And if we could just do it, I, I think, you know, take it to extra time, get lucky. Let's call it Arsenal on penalties. Wow. Bold. I like, I like the boldness, Josh. Very good. Um, and then thanks, thanks to everyone for, uh, for being bold as well. Ari, as ever, uh, it's Very been great. Much. Tim, um, good luck with the chat tomorrow, the phone call to Arsenal. I hope, uh, <laughs> I hope, you know, I mean, I hope you come away. You, you you must tweet about what happens. Like basically, if you have to give, if the if the club's going to go down and you know in flames, then you must let us know in advance. Um, that's all I ask. Will you Will you be there first game back, Boyd? I mean, if they invite me, yeah, I'll be there. Of course, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I think 
Yeah, I, 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 the problem I have is getting there. I don't want to be in that fucking Arsenal tube with, you know, hundreds of people in that. You know, that's how I get there. I don't, you know, I don't have a car or anything. I'd have to walk. How far would it be to walk? Well, I'm, I'm in se- I'm an SE1. I'm a power podcast. walker, yeah. I mean, it'll probably take me a couple of hours, but I suppose I could do it, yeah. You just open the podcast by saying you're, a, you're, a, you're, a, you're a virtually... <laughs> I am a power walker, Elite yeah. training for walking. It'll be a breeze. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. Boyd, before we go, a lot of people would have seen the trailer for All or Nothing for Tottenham Hotspur for next year. Have you decided if you're going to accept their invitation to go and see behind Um, the scenes? Do you know what? I've yet to um, reverse my decision, so I need to speak to the publicity people, yeah. But um, I I need to do my reverse ferret to go go and see them, yeah. Um, But considering how funny it is that Marino's clearly pissed off about the whole situation, that makes me even more feel even more that I should probably go to that press day, yeah. Yeah, I think it should go. Uh, thank you very much. It's been brilliant. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. We'll see what's whether Josh's crazy mofo prediction comes true. <laughs> Bye. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.